Hiya, boys. Come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome. You have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. And I'm Ryan. And this week, we're going to do a little bit of a preview for an upcoming blockbuster. Uh, spinoff of a little tiny film. I think... I think blockbuster may be too too weak of a word. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this is the film series that defined blockbuster. <laughs> Actually, no, I guess that would have been Jaws. Mm, yeah, but I mean, give overall, or take a year. Overall money being, I mean, yeah. like it's the you, Star Wars series has made much more money than the Jaws series. People, I mean, the huge hit that was Jaws: The Revenge. Yeah, I mean, Jaws didn't have people dressing up like Jaws. No, with no actuality. Yeah, I don't think anyone did dress up as the shark. No, no. Mm. Oh well. Well, we're not here to talk about Jaws. <laughs> no, we're, not. we're here. We're uh, doing a little bit of a preview. Um, Solo, a Star Wars story, comes mm-hmm. out this weekend. Um, and I don't know if you heard about this movie, but it's now directed by Ron Howard. Yep. Uh, Opie from Andy Griffith's, Griffith's show. So, um, and Richie Cunningham from Happy Days. Yeah. You just... I oh, blanked on that The narrator one. from Arrested Development. Is that more your speed? <laughs> okay, I, I get it. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so he's he took over directing this movie. Two weeks away from finishing, he took over directing and, and then reshot 88% of it. And, and I remember we talked about that when that happened. Yeah. And it, 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 wasn't it because like they walked on set and realized they were doing like an ad lib? Like, yeah, it was like a... Buddy who's, comedy? Who shot first anyway? <laughs> yeah, oh God. Um, but yeah, so he took over. Uh, so as a little bit of a preview of that, yeah, because uh, we're going to do an episode on that next week, early next week, mm-hmm. and I'm going to hold us to that because it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I um, really want to see this movie. Uh, as a preview of that, we look back at Ron Howard's career and it's like, hey, what Ron Howard movies do we want to watch? Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask if you've ever, ever seen Night Shift with Henry Wrinkler and Michael Keaton. Night Shift? Yeah, it's a horrible movie. It's one that we'll probably do down the line. Okay. Because I own it for some reason. Okay. And then I I asked if you had seen Willow, because I hadn't. Yeah. So, and that would have made sense for the... Uh, it would have, especially since in Fanboys, yeah. that Star Wars fan movie that, you know, they go into George Lucas's home or yeah. office and they go into the trophy room and there's Willow's, like, staff yeah. or stick or something. I, I don't know. The, the whole... The whole I haven't seen Willow since my family lived in Alton, yeah. Illinois, which was pre nineteen ninety three. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen it, so we'll probably do that down the line. That's Possibly. definitely that's definitely we'll just one become that we a Ron Howard podcast and just watch Ron Howard, Howard stuff. I looked him up to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Like I knew he worked on a lot of stuff, and then I Googled yeah his films. Well, it, oh my god, yeah, like, he did a lot, and we'll get into that in a yeah. bit. Um, but what we settled on. Oh, yes. Was Splash. Splash. His first big uh, directorial feature. Now, if that Night now if that isn't a movie yeah. coming out of left field for us, though. Yeah. <laughs> Splash. Yeah. Think about it. A lot of people a lot of a lot of people don't really think of that movie anymore. They really don't. And they it, don't. It's a big movie. It gave a lot of people their start. Yeah. It uh, really two, did. two big powerhouses in Hollywood mm-hmm. started with this movie. Yeah. Uh, like I said before, Ron Howard directed Night Shift before this. Yeah. Um, but this was a, the, his first big hit. Night Shift has become like a cult favorite, maybe. Mm-hmm. And by cult, I mean very few people know and <laughs> like Night Shift. <laughs> I own it, and I don't know if I like it or not. Um, but Splash was the first one, first movie of his to be like, oh, hey, Opie can direct. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, 
this guy might possibly have a future yeah. doing this. So I didn't realize how early in the eighties this was. Cause my, like my scope of the eighties is okay. Back to the future was 1985. Batman was 1989. Anything in between there. And I guess star Wars was 80 empire was 80 and Jedi was 83. Yeah. So that's all I know about the eighties. I didn't realize this was 84. Yeah. I thought it was later than that, but I, I wasn't around. So I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Neither was I, but yeah. still. I mean, it, it Splash is one of those movies that I saw when I was a kid. It didn't really grasp it, obviously, because the thing's an adult comedy. It's an yeah. adult rom- uh, romantic comedy. Yeah. So, I mean, as a kid, it kind of just went over my yeah, head. We, we, completely honest, we did this under the pretense that I had never seen it. Yeah. And that's not true. I s- saw bits and pieces of it on TBS. Like how long ago? Like when I was five. Yeah. So, so like it, I, it remember still the, I remember there. I remember there. I the only thing I remember that from this as from when I was a kid was when like towards the end of the film when they're about to go off and get married and he says we need to go get a b- blood test then we can get married tomorrow I'm like you need to get a blood test to get married I <laughs> didn't know that like I, that's the only thing like I the, I was watching the movie last night and I was like. Oh, yeah, I remember that line. And that's all I remember. <laughs> that and John Candy sitting in the fish tank with his uh, pant legs rolled up. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a lot of notes. I see that. Um, so this isn't only Ron Howard's big debut. Yeah. It was also Tom Hanks's first real movie role. Really? Yeah. I looked back this at his IMDb. Before... This was right after Bosom Buddies, after his cameo appearances on Happy Days and Taxi. Uh, this came before Bachelor Party. Which Interesting. His, which is his first big one. Yeah. yeah and the, the two of them went on to do a lot more stuff together. Oh, yeah. Uh, Apollo 13 comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's one thing. When I Googled Ron Howard and the films that he made, the one thing that struck out to me, because, I mean, I like Ron Howard. Yeah. Especially anytime there's a documentary or there's a special features with interviews of him, I watch because he, yeah. just, he, he just comes off as a cool guy to me. But going through... Like, what really stuck out was how many movies him and Tom Hanks has done with each other. Like, I'm talking The Da Vinci Code, Apollo 13. The, all the Da Vinci um, Code sequels. Inferno, Angels and Demons, uh, Splash, which which, which we're going to get more into. Um, there's more. <laughs> I set that up waiting to, like, name off a ton more well, movies, Apollo, but then I stopped. Apollo, yeah, I, but there is more. Yeah. Just, there are some weird ones on here, too. Like, yeah. um, well, I didn't realize he did A Beautiful Mind. Yeah. He... The, you look back at all, all all of these movies, and there, there's a lot of variety there. So you've got the Da Vinci Code movies. Mm-hmm. You've got Cinderella Man. You've got A Beautiful Mind. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and then The Dilemma with Vince Vaughn and... Uh, and then you got The Dark Kevin Tower James. and Osmosis Jones. Did he direct The Dark Tower? Mm-hmm. It's on there. Oh, he produced it. Produced he didn't direct it, yeah. it. Yeah. And then there's Osmosis Jones. Yeah, he produces a lot more than he directs. I'm talking directorial... Uh, Ed TV, Apollo 13, um, Parenthood, Willow, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. And uh, he followed this up with Cocoon. Have you seen Cocoon? That's the one with the old people that yeah. glow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shows you the last time I saw that movie. <laughs> but yeah, Tom Hanks gets his start in this and then goes on to do Bachelor Party and then everything else after. Like, if it wasn't for this movie, Tom Hanks would not be a thing. Well, who knows? Uh, well, I mean, here... This movie, he has enough talent. He he had enough talent that he would have picked up from somebody to do something. 
But okay, this I, movie launched the type of movies that he was going to do. Yeah. Because this, because to me, this falls into the comedy run that Tom Hanks did, like The Suburbs and Money Pit and yeah. Tudor so, and Hooch. Like, this started, yeah. to, for so me, ba- this started I, all of I that. I think Bachelor Party came out first, but then this came out in 80, they both came out in 84. Yeah. Uh, and then 86, he had the money pit and then 87 was Dragnet, and then 88, you get big, which was yeah, big. big. <laughs> <laughs> so without this, like th- this movie, like that's the Tom Hanks persona that you see going forward into yeah. all these other movies and that you still get a little bit today in some stuff. Yeah. Mostly social media, but still, mm-hmm. um, I've been watching a lot of Arrested Development lately because okay. the new season comes out this week. Yeah. So I, mean, I went back and we watched all of it and then. This movie opens on a boat, just like Arrested Development. Have you seen Arrested Development? It bits and pieces. Okay. The first episode opens on a boat. Yeah. And uh, they're having this big party. And it's like, it's like I'm getting real... <laughs> like, I just wrote down Arrested Development vibes. Because <laughs> Ron Howard's the narrator throughout yeah. that whole thing. And then he's in season four. Yeah. So I got real, <laughs> I got real Arrested Development vibes in that yeah. scene. Okay. And, and you, like, you don't see the flashback with just the sepia tone <laughs> anymore. No, I guess that was an '80s thing. You get a little bit of color, playing with color a little bit with flashbacks, yeah. but never really just that golden tone. Well, when you think about it, this shows culture, and this shows the tech gap. Yeah. To be honest, like it incorporates it because if you have people, let's say we are how old we are right now, but it's '88. Mm-hmm. Okay. When we look at old family pictures of our parents, like a year or two before we were born, that's going to be pretty much like either the pictures are going to be black and white or they're going to start to fade. And when they start to fade, that's kind of what they turn into. Yeah. And then black and white. And then you had like the early Polaroids that had that type of fade to the color. Yeah. So it makes it really apparent for that audience be like, okay, so this is back in like the 60s or the 70s. Yeah, I really like that because it's something that it's like an Instagram filter now. Like people do that. Yeah. For like th- flashback or throwback Thursday. Yeah. But like seeing it in a movie like that, it was really refreshing. Yeah. Um, one thing we I don't think we've talked about on this podcast and I could be wrong, but I couldn't think of any time that this ever came up. John Candy. <laughs> Have I we talked John about John Candy, Candy in, on this yet? We tried to go over movies that you and I had that had John Candy in it, and we have pretty much seen yeah. them, and, unless I bring up a movie now that I forgot to bring up yeah. before, like Uncle Buck. I've seen Uncle Buck. You've seen Uncle Buck. Have you seen The Great Outdoors? I don't think I have, but okay. I think I own it now. My sister, who has the two-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. bought me The Great Outdoors and Uncle Buck on mm-hmm. DVD as a present. I'm like, oh, that's great, but I'm an uncle now, so I don't know if I should take... I'm an uncle to her daughter. So should I take offense to the fact that she got me uncle buck? Like, does she see me as uncle buck? Uncle buck's a great guy. Uncle buck <laughs> is misunderstood at the beginning of the film. And then he turns into somebody that <laughs> is exactly who the kids need. I was just overthinking it. I was like, yeah. And then I thought about it. Like, yeah. yeah. No, uncle buck's a good thing. Yeah. I want to be uncle buck. Except I'm not a Cubs fan. <laughs> I wouldn't mind living that close to Wrigley though. Yeah. Yeah. God, does he make an entrance in this? Mm hmm. Like, I just, like, as soon as he showed up on screen, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be great. <laughs> they printed my letter. Oh, Penthouse printed my we letter. We did do, god damn it, we did do a uh, John Candy movie, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay, there we that's go. That's the one. Well, That's uh, the art on our damn podcast. <laughs> yeah, true, but whatever. <laughs> we'll leave that in. Well, yeah. here, here, that just shows 
how good he is yeah. at what he does. I mean, the, the guy pretty much plays the same character almost in every single movie that he's ever in. The thing is, that character fits well in a lot of different storylines. Yeah. I mean, granted, it's a comedy, and he's a comedian, so it's going to fit. But Train Planes and Automobiles was a comedy, but yet it was still more, it was like a comedy drama, almost. And yeah. so, I mean, it. he wasn't really himself. Like He, really he was wasn't. actually acting like, in that. He like wasn't just we being talk, a goofball. We, we talked a little bit before about the Tom Hanks persona. Yeah. This is definitely the John Candy persona mm-hmm. going forward. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, And he's not the only one from SCTV in this movie. You also got Eugene Levy mm-hmm. uh, as the uh, scientist who's trying to prove that she's a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> this this movie, when I was younger, the one thing it did leave me with, even though most of it went right over my head, yeah. when I was younger and, and even to this day, like science interests me, like regardless of what field it is. Like I can watch a documentary on almost like anything and be totally fascinated with it but i also love like the the the, the stereotypes the jokes you know all of the everything that goes with it yeah and i if i remember correctly that character in this movie of that stereotype was the first time i saw that as a kid yeah and i just gripped onto it because i just thought it was the funniest thing the uh, in it some guy ranting and raving a complete lunatic but proves to be right and then he feels bad keeps about get, it keep getting beat up yeah exactly uh yeah the whole third act of this once he turns her into the mermaid and mm-hmm. she gets captured i don't think you've seen it yet because it, uh, it just came out a little bit ago but i got a lot of shape of water vibes and i think when shape of water came out it was people like oh this is just like the third act of splash <laughs> because it has to do with rescuing the, the fish creature out of the lab and yeah. a love story. And they have the same. I mean, it won Best Picture. I'm not going to I'm going to spoil it. Uh, so if you if you don't want to listen to Shape of Water spoilers, plug your ears for the next 10 seconds. They both end up like going into the water together. So it's the yeah. exact same ending. OK. Um, only that one Best Picture and Splash didn't. Oh, um, Splash. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, the, the def, uh, I'll get to the, we'll talk about the third act later yeah. and I'll get into it. Yeah. So do, what what other notes did you have for the well, beginning? Well, I, I did some math, which, okay. is, which is odd for me. I don't usually decide to do math willingly. I'm usually forced. You really got into this one, didn't I you? I did. Uh, well, because at the beginning of the movie, Tom Hanks takes a cab from New York yeah. City to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder how much that would be today. Yeah. So I went on an, I found an Uber calculator online to find out how much a, an Uber from New York to okay. Cape Cod would be. It would cost anywhere between four hundred and fifty dollars, four hundred and fifty to six hundred dollars, somewhere in that range. Okay, so comparable, you would have to just backtrack it. I'm not about to do the calculations on my phone when it comes to how much, uh, and it comes to inflation. But still, yeah. that, that that's a lot of cash. That's to a lot be of dumping cash. on a yeah. cab. So you figure back then Cape that Cod. that. With a New York City cab, that was probably at, I wouldn't least, be surprised. at least 200 I wouldn't be surprised if he did pay that much, including tip back then for the cab yeah. service, because the guy had to drive back. I mean, and it, it, they set up in the movie that he's not hurting for money. No. Because he owns this uh, farmer's market mm-hmm. thing, the produce market, and then he has a pretty nice apartment with a fish tank in it. Yeah. Which is funny, because he falls in love with a half fish. <laughs> Can I say half fish? Or I think is that, you can is say that? half fish. Okay. Half fish. It's yeah, that's pretty much all my notes. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, 
Um, which the reaction of the cab driver when yeah. you know when Tom Hanks gets in, sits down, the cabbie takes off, and then he says Cape Cod, and he slams on his brakes, and Tom Hanks hits the glass. Yeah, and the guy's like, "Are you serious? That's like what, what three hundred? Yeah, he doesn't even say a number. He's like, you got the cash. Yeah, you got the cash, and, and he Tom shows Hanks it, and, and he just his, takes off his, again in his style." Does yeah. it look like I got the cash? He just makes it rain. Um, yeah. God, Tom Hanks is so good in this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so glad that Ron Howard cast him in this. Because yeah. if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have Woody and Toy Story. We wouldn't have Big. We wouldn't have Ter- Turner and Hooch. Yeah. We wouldn't have You've Got Mail. What's your favorite Tom Hanks movie? Oh, God, that's hard. <laughs> well, it, okay, so uh, out of his, like, comedy movies, yeah. I really love The Money Pit. I don't know if I've seen the Money Pit. Out if of I all did, of it was a y- if I did, it was years ago. Yeah, like my favorite, like early Tom Hanks, like comedy movies where he plays like the stressed out guy, normal guy that gets into like a really weird situation. Mm-hmm. It's Money Pit. Okay. Um, his later stuff, when he actually goes from being just like a comedic actor to being like a serious actor. Um, to be honest, it's a tie between you, um, Sleepless in Seattle and Apollo 13. Like, okay. those are my two favorite Tom Hanks movies. I think the one that I've seen the most has probably been You've Got Mail. And I really love that movie. His, per- it, him in that is just like, he, he's kind of a dick, but yeah. you still kind of like him. Yeah. Like he's the one causing Meg Ryan's shop to close down. Which I find it funny that now the roles would be reversed. Yeah. And the way people are, you know, the way people do things now, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's working on a uh, on a modern day flip of that storyline. Because yeah, you well, could. Yeah, you really could. Like, but we're not talking about you've got mail. Yeah. We're, we're talking about splash. Still, still. Anyway, so you've got so you, you've got the flashback where he falls off the boat. Yeah. And it's her. Yeah. At the beginning, to begin with, you know, to to, uh, to start. If I was him, I would also think that was not real. Well, of course, because. You're auction deprived. Like, there's a lot of ways to write that off. Yeah. Um, it's a nice, it's a nice way to open the film, and mm-hmm. then they come back to it later. Like, yeah. But just at the very end, like they don't address it at all for like the second act. Yeah. Like a good, like you could divide this film into tenths. Mm-hmm. The first tenth they address it, then the last last tenth they address it. Yeah. But in the middle, yeah, it could be a different moment. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Exactly. Um. Let's talk a little bit about Daryl Hannah. Okay. Um, she like I don't know her from much bes- besides this. I really only know her from this and Kill Bill. Do you know her from anything else, or am I just? I'm looking to be honest. I'm looking her up. Her top four on IMDb are Kill Bill, One and Two, Splash, and Wall Street. And she's done a lot Wall of... Wall Street, I, the original Wall Street, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So that's one that I do remember her from now, now that you mention it. And then evidently, I was looking this up yesterday, she was in the Adams Family Reunion as Morticia Adams. The one that they did with Tim Curry as Gomez. Really? Yeah. She. Yeah, It. it's weird. Like, she doesn't... She looks the part, but she, does, she looks nothing like Angelica Houston, who well, was course. perfectly cast in that. To begin with, because that's the one that was just a uh, made-for-TV movie. Yeah, let's try to find a picture. She was in Blade Runner. Blade Runner. That's the other one. She was in Steel Magnolias. 
I know her from that too. See, you're listing things, and I remember. Here's a picture of her as Morticia. Yeah. You do you remember Jet X? You remember yeah, that? Yeah, I remember. God, that. that takes me back. It's pretty bad that the screen caps for that movie on IMDb are from Jet X. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about Blade Runner too. I need to watch that. I need to, I need to rewatch Blade Runner before I watch twenty forty nine. After, I mean, there is, there are some other ones, but I mean, like she's in Grumpy Old Men, she's in The Little Rascals, um, but then it just falls off into some movies that I've never heard of before. But yeah, I mean, she's a character actor. Yeah. Like she, she was the leading lady, lady in this, and I guess Wall Street. But and then she did ensemble she fit, stuff. With she fit the time period. She does. Yeah, that's the thing. She fit that time. She period. Gives, she gives a very good performance because mm-hmm. most like the first act, she's mute. Like she doesn't yeah. talk at all. She does a good job of playing fish out of water. Yeah, pun intended. <laughs> um, I've been I've been waiting to make that joke since last night because mm-hmm. uh, this is really a fish out of water story. Yeah. Um, do you? Consider this a adaptation of the Little Mermaid or not? Not really. Yeah. I, the the mermaid lore has been around longer than like Bigfoot. Yeah, and so I mean you've got tons of stories, tons of accounts, a ton of legends to go off of, and it's either one you've got somebody from dry land going into the ocean and doing the same thing, or in, uh, just in reverse, or you have the mermaid coming out of water and having that fiasco. And yeah. it's easier to do the latter than it is the other. I, I find it interesting that in this lore, the f- mermaids are able to walk on land willingly. Like she's able to transform her tail into legs for mm-hmm. a certain amount of time and stay away from their home. I, li- I like it when a film can take that lore and adjust it to a little bit, but still keep it. Mm-hmm. Like this does it well. Twilight does it badly. <laughs> um <laughs> yes and i haven't even seen twilight so yeah, no mate I, um no. man you can really tell that this is 1980s new york oh yeah between the way the streets look and then just the the bloomingdale scene with all the tube tvs exploding mm-hmm. uh richard simmons on the tv doing aerobics a young and, richard simmons yeah. I saw something the other day before he was a fitness guru. He was in a movie, and that's about the only photographic evidence of when he was overweight. Hmm. And I saw it. I was like, "Damn, I couldn't tell that was like, I couldn't tell it was him." Yeah, like he was younger too. So, but I get he destroyed all the other photographic evidence of it except for for that movie because he yeah. can't. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. So I, yeah. I thought that was interesting. I was like, huh. Yeah. Always wondered about that. <laughs> I really like the, the world that they build. Okay. You can just tell that this is the 80s. Yeah. Between the soundtrack, which changes a lot because you have like synthesizer there a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, it's just like piano going for the love theme. Yeah. And then at other points, it's just like straight up 80s. Mm-hmm. Which which was different. And then in the ending <clears throat> credits, you have the love ballad, yeah. which shouts... 80s rom-com <laughs> well one of the, uh, one of the things about this film is that it, like you said before he's not hurting for money he owns this business that yeah. it's f- uh, um it's family owned must make enough money that his brother can pretty much do whatever he wants yeah and not have to worry about actually working so i mean the money's there so mid 80s manhattan like they show it. I mean, yeah. for that time period, it's you know people watching this and in the in the audience, and it's like, oh, okay, so that's 
you know, there is you know, I'm just that think, lifestyle. I'm just thinking about this now. There's a lot of different uh, styles going on in this movie. You've got the love story between Alan and Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the slapstick going on with Eugene Levy. Mm-hmm. You've got the sci-fi element of the mermaids. Like, there's a lot going on there. Like this is not heavy, but it's like so many different genre elements mixed yeah. in together. And then you've got like the goofball in John Candy. Well, I mean, w- w- when you're talking about something that everybody knows, ab- you know, knows of, you've got to do something. I mean, you just can't do a straight, um, you just can't do a straight mermaid fish out of water love story. Like, yeah. There's got to be more elements to it and or I, I else it's not going to make any money. Th- 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 it really shows how Ron Howard's career would go. Because like we said before, there's a lot of different films that he does. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's a a comedy with Vince Vaughn and Kevin James or the Da Vinci code or the Grinch or yeah. a beautiful mind. Like there's a, he goes back and forth. Like he changes like every movie mm-hmm. and it, then solo. Like that's yeah. completely not something I expected to, for him to ever do, which is going to be interesting to see how that yeah, goes. We'll get into that. Then. Yeah. But, um, one thing I did want to point out, uh, cause Tom Hanks in this movie is named Alan. Yeah. And I was like, how does he spell it? And he spells it the correct way. Oh God, it's it's important to me. I got it. I got yeah. it. I got it. Because uh, there are two ways to spell it. One is the correct way. The other one is acceptable. Anything else is wrong. And I've seen it all the other wrong ways. There's no why in Alan. What did uh, when it when it came to the reveal scene with the setup of that when he finally gets her to transform on the sidewalk? Like my favorite part of that is just the build up and seeing how horribly wrong it's going to go straight from the get go. Yeah. Like he shows up in the kitchen, the guy turns around and goes, You broke your arm. And he's like, No, I just have like sixteen fractures. It's yeah. It's so, fine. Like that whole like that's so ridiculous. And that's what that's what I'm talking about. This movie, like that's the slapstick element. Like it's so ridiculous that you got and then he puts the saltwater yeah. tank over his back on his back with his yeah. shirt over it, <laughs> and then like he sprays her. Okay, and then they ha- well first they have the president of the United States, mm-hmm. just some guy. Like they don't even try to go for a Reagan lookalike. No, it's just corn-fed Iowa boy. Yeah, over here with the, like it, it's it, corny make, political joke. Yeah. Yeah, the corniest joke in this whole damn movie is yeah. he just found out how much his meal is going to cost. But in ch- exactly, I, like, oh. <laughs> like I cringed at that. I was like, no, no. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the sidewalk, and I swear to God, it felt like a minute and a half of the water just going, and you just see the grin on his face. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Tom Hanks like, what's going on? Yeah, and Daryl Henry, no, mm-hmm. like a minute and a half. Oh well, yeah. And then it's finally revealed that she's a fish. Yeah, she's a she fish. Has, her, her bottom half is a fish. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I will say that the visual effects when she transforms at certain por- parts are very impressive for 1984. Oh, like when she's uh, when she sneaks off to go to the uh, to uh, to take a quote unquote a bath. Yeah. basically just let her like. Yeah, I was trying to back. figure out how they did that because you you see it happen. Yeah, like. They show, like, obviously it's a prosthetic, but they've yeah. got, like, what looks like her outer thigh, and all of a sudden, like, the skin tightens up and it scales. Yeah. Like, 
her legs turned into like yeah. fused back together again. Yeah. Um, it was very impressive for mm-hmm. that day and age. And then, uh, and then you've got the whole thing with, uh, uh, her in the lab at the tank and then him being in the tank for 12 hours. And then yeah. finally they're like, okay, let him go. He's just a guy. I told you I'm not a fish. <laughs> I'm not a fish. So then the third act becomes a rescue story. Yeah. And what bothers me, and I don't know if this is in the latest scene or if I missed it, how the fuck does Tom Hanks know to meet Eugene Levy at the dentist? He, he just, hunts them down. How do you hunt somebody down to their dentist? It's Tom Hanks. <laughs> I'm wondering if that was explained in a deleted scene or something. It might have been, but it's it's Tom Hanks. It's so bizarre, though. He just busts in the door. Like I was half expecting him to sing that song from Little Shop of Horrors. It's Tom. It's a, to me. It's movies like this. Stuff like that doesn't really cross my mind. It, it crossed my mind. I I can excuse it, but I was like, well, wait. How did this happen? Like, uh. are we just gonna not explain that at all? Um. So then Tom Hanks and John Candy help Eugene Levy break Madison out. Yeah. Um. And then chase through New York, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then they get to the water and he decides to go with her, which is a happy ending for him and her and Eugene Levy. Mm-hmm. I feel horrible for John Candy. I don't. You don't? No. Because it, during this whole thing, it pretty much like up until Alan goes, uh, leaves the city. And mm-hmm. he gets it in the head in the boat and comes back. All of that, he's forced to take care of their spa, their dad's business because yeah. Tom Hanks has been doing it ever so, since before. So it, it's kind of, to be honest, his character evolves, becomes more mature. I mean, it, there's parts of him that are never going to change, but he just he has to take care of the business now. Tom Hanks's character is finally stress free. Yeah, but okay, I get that, but he didn't get to say goodbye to his brother at all. Yeah, brother wasn't that good to begin with. Message Spoke, in a bottle. Sp- spoken like a true only child. <laughs> I can't help it. But maybe, maybe, you know, uh, and honestly, because you are an only child. Yeah. So honestly, that's probably why it affects me more than it affects you. Like, yeah, meh, whatever. Yeah. I have three siblings, so it's <laughs> like. Yeah, that would suck. I would go live in the water forever, like, and never see my brother again. Like, I like my brother. Like, I'd at least be like, oh, hey, by the way, gonna be living in the ocean. Have a good life. Bye. John Candy has my favorite lines in this whole movie. So when Tom Hanks is being harassed by the press mm-hmm. outside of his apartment, John Candy comes in and saves the day. He's like, "Are any of you with penthouse forms?" <laughs> no. Then we have no comment, and then they yeah. just leave. And then, like the next line, they're back at the the market, and John Candy's like, "What? You never saw a guy who slept with a fish?" <laughs> yeah, that. And then you also have like the the, the side comedy aspects when it comes to the secretary. Like, is yeah. she okay? You know, she got struck by lightning in the head over the weekend. Yeah. She's fine. She's, she's just a yeah a little off. Yeah, very off. Mm-hmm. Um, she could. S- she could probably jump a car battery. <laughs> so, I think that pretty much wraps up Splash. Let's talk a little it bit. Is, yeah. Let's pretty mu- let's talk about Ron Howard a little bit. Okay. What uh, is Apollo 13 your favorite Ron Howard movie? It's the one that sticks out to me the most. Okay. Yeah, it's up there for me too. Like that one definitely jumps out. 
the one I've probably seen the most is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. That movie will have a special place in my heart, no matter how cheesy it is. I like that movie. Uh, doesn't hold a candle to the animated version that they did in the 60s. Oh, yeah. But still. Um, but I have to say, the last 10 or so minutes of The Da Vinci Code, with the uh, when, they, when she were, finds out her true lineage and yeah. with the Hans Zimmer score playing. I caught that on TV a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and damn, did it blow my mind. Like <laughs> it's just so well done. Like that movie is so, so but yeah. that, that moment with, with everything going on and how everything's revealed is so masterfully done that I have to, I have to mention at least that segment of that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen the other ones that they've done together. God, I still can't get over how diverse his portfolio is. How do you feel about him taking on Star Wars? I am fine with it. I mean, just because of the issues that they were having. Obviously, bringing him into it, um, it was needed. Yeah. Uh, Bringing somebody of his caliber in to try to fix it. I mean, with everything that he has done in the past, I, I don't see there being any issue of this movie not being done well. I mean, if one did, of the things that's driving me nuts right now, like more than anything, mm-hmm. especially with the whole Star Wars thing and the Star Wars community, is I'm seeing a lot more of people just outright just dumping everything. Yeah. I had very little hope for this movie once I heard all the drama that happened with um, the first two directors. Yeah. Lord and Miller, once they got fired, and I was like, oh, God, like they were so close to finishing. And then Ron Howard goes back and reduced, redoes 80% of the movie. Yeah. Like that, that caused worry for me. And then mm-hmm. when, when we didn't have a trailer in front of Last Jedi, I was like, what the hell is going on with this movie? They're probably going to push it back. Yeah. And then they didn't push it back. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like the, tra- the trailers never really impressed me. Yeah. Um, but I will say, that the clips that I've seen lately and TV spots, like I don't usually watch TV spots, but for this one, since I'm not, I wasn't that excited. I was like, I'll watch them. They've gotten me very excited for this. Yeah. The, the, um, the first trailer I saw, like by the looks of it, and I've been trying to stay away from, mm-hmm. from, 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 from a lot of like theories or whatever. Cause I've just, yeah, I've always been a fan. Yeah. Like I've, I've always been a fan of this stuff. So I kind of have my own idea of where, the character was supposed to go, um, but I love the fact that it looks like they are following along with him being a recruit. Yeah, for for the empire, uh, for, 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 uh, for, for, for for the empire, and then falling out. Yeah, I mean, if that's what this is, then great. You know, yeah. I love the fact that they're actually inc- uh, incorporating that because that explains a lot of what the character does later on. Yeah. And I think Ron Howard is probably the best person to take over that situation. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, he's known about Star Wars longer than anybody else. Yeah. Like, he's right up there with George Lucas because they were doing American Graffiti when Lucas was working on Star Wars. Yeah. He, like, they in between takes, Lucas would go off and work on the, work on my little space project. Mm-hmm. So Ron Howard's known about this since, like, 75. Yeah. So he knows this world. He knows George Lucas. Like, he's... He knows what he's doing, and he's which a is, great filmmaker. Exactly, which is perfect, which is what you want with a movie that's set in between the prequels and the original trilogy. Yeah. Like, you want, granted, like, 
I'm still in the camp, and a lot of people have been flipping back and forth, and this is kind of what I was going about before. Everybody loved the original trilogy. Yeah. Loved it. Special editions come out but, uh, in the late 90s. Some people are okay with it. Some people aren't. They're like, oh, whatever. He just wanted to use them, uh, the tech that he couldn't have before and just did a little tweaks here and there or whatever. Yeah. And they were fine with it. But you could still find the original cuts, so people were still happy with it. And then the prequels started coming out. And everybody was, oh, my God, we have to get this away from him. He's destroying everything. And then Attack of the Clones comes out, and it's again, oh my god, he's losing all of his creativity, he's turning into what he hated back when he created Star Wars. Yeah. And then the third prequel came out, and it was more of it. And everybody was like, okay, fine, you know, we just got older, you know, whatever. Now, with the new ones coming out, the with Disney, other people doing it... Disney it, saga. It, it, exactly. It's... It, oh my God! We need to, you know, we need to Kathleen, get rid of Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, she doesn't know what she's doing. Uh, exactly. Get rid of her. Get rid of this person. Get rid of that person. People from who are hardcore um, expanded universe of the original expanded universe yeah. are going nuts because it's diverting away from the book storyline. But they erase all that. So get over ex- it. Exactly. But th- the biggest issue that I'm seeing what I'm happy this what I'm hoping this movie does Rogue One did a good job of fitting in between that that, uh, of episode 3 and episode Mm 4 Solo looks like it's going to be doing the same thing it looks like it's going to fit nicely between the two and still be inside and still fit within that universe yeah what I'm getting tired of is the so-called hardcore Star Wars fan base that's already writing off this movie even though Ron Howard's behind it yeah like, I recently watched um, The Last Jedi again, finally. I bought the Blu-ray when it yeah. came out, and I was finally able to watch it a couple nights ago. And actually, the second time going through it, I like it yeah. more than I did the first time that I saw it. But then you go online, and it's just, it's like hate, and, you know, the original trilogy, and then and this happened, and that the, happened. The problem, it's driving me the nuts. The problem with The Last Jedi, and this is why I've avoided a lot of stuff about Solo, is that there were so many theories like who's Snoke, who are Ray's parents, and then it just didn't. They didn't get their answers, and they're like, "Well, fuck it, like, yeah, fuck Star Wars. I'm done. No more. May the Force be with you." And that's what's driving. And it, that's like it's. But it's like, ridiculous. like you were just saying, it's always been that way. It's always been that way. Like I, I'll take any Star Wars I can get. Yeah, I've lived. A life where I've had new Star Wars since 1999. Mm-hmm. I think there's maybe like two, no, like two years in there where there wasn't anything new Star Wars related, movie or TV wise. But yeah. since then, like it's just been, and even in those two years, there were video games that I could play. Yeah. But like there's always been Star Wars. There, there will be a Star Wars movie every year for the next God knows how many years until Disney gets tired of making them. Yeah. Which I don't think is going to happen. If they keep bringing in bil- a billion dollars each yeah. one, they're set. Yeah. Like they're, they're not lo- they didn't lose money on this they're making money yeah and when it comes down to it i and for an example of the type of hypocrisy com- fan complaining that i'm talking about anybody who loves the uh the video game series where darth vader had an apprentice that oh uh force unleashed the force unleashed yeah. that guy brought down a death, uh, um, Star, a, Star Destroyer. a Star Destroyer with the Force, like mm-hmm. pulled it down out of the sky, slammed it into the ground, 
ridiculously overpowered like the, 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 the character like you could do things with that that are just like yeah. godlike but have a character in an actual movie just be strong with the force in general and just be able to use the basic techniques that one would have yeah and they cry foul yeah that's the kind of like if anybody who says that ray is too big of a jump in a character for using the force but yet they love that character from that video game sorry i'm not done talking to you <laughs> <laughs> like yeah y- you y- you can't say one thing and then do another like i'm uh back when the, the other podcast we did Moisture Farmer's Almanac. We did some fan theories about stuff yeah. and talking about some of the expanded universe storylines where the Emperor cloned himself like yeah. a billion times. And there's people out there that are pissed off because they didn't go with that storyline. Like, the, Disney, Disney has to <laughs> make their own thing. Like, I don't want to see a Star Wars movie based on a book. As great as the Thrawn trilogy is, yeah. Like, I don't want to see a movie of that. Like, give me something new. Give me something that, like, if you're going to build this universe and continue the story of the Skywalker family, yeah, you can't, there's so much in the expanded universe that you have to wipe it clean. Yeah. And tabula rasa that shit. Like, just start over. Mm-hmm. Like, make your own thing. Like, in that, not that there was anything bad with the stuff that was there. Like, it's still, you can still get it. It's Legends. Like, they've rebranded it, so you can still have it. Yeah. But it's not canon. Exactly. It doesn't have to be canon for you to enjoy it. That, and there's stuff and storylines and books that flies, that doesn't fly on film. There's no way you can do that. If you were to have a movie where the Emperor cloned himself 10,000 whatever times, copies and just keeps on, like, coming back and coming back, coming back, guess what? It's going to fail. Mm-hmm. That's going to be awful. The only people who are going to be going to go see that movie are the people that have spent, you know, half of their lifely income on those yeah. books reading it. Because if people, like, if you were to continue, like, I'm sure the Expanded Universe went on 30 years after mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. Oh, it, so if whoa. you were to pick up 30 years, so far like, if you whatever book was 30 years after, yeah. you'd have all this lore that Joe somebody doesn't know about that yeah. they're going to be behind on. That you you can't address in a two hour movie. No, to get them caught up because by the time you get them caught up, the movie's over. Yeah, like, and there are so many examples of this. Yeah. And let's say I would say the modern day Harry Potter craze with like the younger people in my generation, which I yeah. include you into it. Like Harry Potter is pretty much the same fandom as Star Wars. Like, the fans pretty much do the same things. Yeah. You dress up as the character, you make comics out of it, fan fiction, whatever. Some people choose not to pay attention to the some, prequels. <laughs> exactly. Some people pay not... Some people pay to not pay attention to that type of stuff, too. So, you've got the same base. Yeah. In the books, there are things that are great for the storyline and great for the book because it's a book. And like, yeah, totally. I totally believe things that, you know, that work yeah. out. You know, like... Hermione and the whole storyline with her defending the house elves and getting them, you yeah. know, free and all that other stuff. The reason why they didn't put that in the movie is because it wasn't needed for the character for the storyline. And two, could you imagine how much film and the way they would have to take yeah. care of that? And that, that, that would probably add another the 30 minutes way, to each movie. The only way you can truly adapt those books and include everything... Miniseries. Miniseries. Yeah, and that's Which not going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised 
if in 10 years that's the route they go with the same set design and everything for Hogwarts. It would, I can see them yeah. doing it. Well, I mean, I've always wanted them to do that. Yeah. I've always wanted... I forget the guy's name. Like I said, I like this stuff. I consider myself a geek over it, but names and stuff fly out of my head. The guy who did Ponyo, Spirited Away... Oh, yeah. yeah those yeah. animes? Yeah. I, I always wanted that art style, like the Spirited Away art style, redo the Harry Potter series as verbatim a, to the storyline as a miniseries. So, like, a, a TV show? It would be, like, animes come in series. Like, you've got th- the one anime that I do actually like and that I follow to a point is Neon Genesis Evangelion. Okay. And I probably chopped up the name. But you've got Evangelion 1.1 and then 1.2 and 1.3, and each one's a series. And each series takes up, like, I don't know, like five or six hours yeah. or something like that. You could do the same thing with Harry Potter, like, you would have, like, three or four seasons, quote-unquote, length of time to do one book. But but you would follow everything. See, I, I would much rather see something, like, on Netflix, like a Netflix miniseries. You, you, you could also do that. It's just doing it animated, I feel, for that universe mm-hmm. would make it or a little bit more HBO. possible. Do or do it on, it on HBO. HBO. Like Game of Thrones. Yeah. So, we've talked about Splash. Yeah. We talked about Star Wars. We talked about Solo. Yeah. Are you excited for Solo? Yes. Okay. Me too. I've gotten more and more excited, like I said. Yeah. Um, I definitely recommend checking out Splash and anything else in Ron Howard's uh, line of work. All of his, uh, like, You can't go wrong with Ron Howard. Yeah, no. Like, some of them might not be as great as others, but for every How the Grinch Stole Christmas, you have an Apollo 13. Yeah. So... Um, I, that's all about all I've got. Uh, tune in early next week for our episode on Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we have good reviews. For more than I like Star we're gonna, Wars. Either way, we're going to have a good conversation about it. I, I fully, uh, uh, when it came to Rogue One, I fully admitted I'm the kind of fan that put together a script throw in some ATATs and TIE Fighters and a battle scene, and I'm good. Anyway, for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Helen. And I'm Ryan. And we'll see you next week. What are you looking at? You never saw a guy who slept with a fish before? Get back to work! <laughs>